understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. What's up, guys, and welcome back to The Stranded Phase Podcast. I am your host, your girl, Jessica Hurley, and we are ending 2020, y'all. God, and all we can pray for is that as we close this year out and we shut the book on this chapter, that this is the end of what has seemed like for so many people, chaos, change, uncomfortable transformation, unnecessary trauma, just things that none of us, I mean, none of us, I say this all the time, but nobody, not a soul was prepared for 2020. We celebrated New Year's at the beginning of 2020 with, you know, thoughts and goals and promises. And boy, this year took a turn and shook us all to our core and some of us in the best ways and some of us in the worst ways. And so as we close this chapter, I can only pray, God, please, that many of us get to close the chapter on this year and what it has brought us, especially the trauma and the chaos and go into 2021 with significant change, opportunity, and abundance, steering away from what has felt like the unknown for 12 freaking months. Now, that's a hopeful prayer, but I will tell you this. One thing I know for certain is we're not probably ever going to go back to normal. And I say that, (laughs) I hope I sound, I say that in the least depressing way, but we're probably not ever going back to normal. I think so many lessons were learned So many businesses pivoted. I think there's such an online presence now. Um, People are ordering more from home than they ever have. You know, that whole, we're going from brick and mortar to click and order is a real thing. But on the bright side, people are craving community and in-person connection more than they ever have because it was swept right out from under us, right? They always say it just like a relationship. You want what you can't have. And for 12 months, we've all been told to minimize who we communicate with in person, Basically, don't touch anyone if you don't have to. And I don't know about you, but I feel like 2021 is going to be the year of appreciating connection and friendships and hugs and closeness and physical closeness. Um, I get it. I can touch my partner, but I'm ready for some serious freaking hugs from people that I love that are like-minded that just like, I just want community. I just want community. And that was taken right out from under us. So I pray 2020 is full of community. And now while we're talking about this, I couldn't end 2020 without my ritual. Every year since this podcast has been going, I've ended the year, ended the year with a some numeral significance of things that I have learned throughout the year, whether it's 19, 25, 30 things. I have made sure every year that this podcast has existed, that I have taken an opportunity to list you things that I know for certain, like when I look back on my year and I go, fuck, yep, that's (laughs) one of the things I learned the hard way. I like to share that with you. See if you can get any value of it. Maybe, you know, they say we're, we're smart if we can learn 
from other people or we're smart if we can learn from our own mistakes, but we're wise if we can learn from others. And so here I am, I want to give to you some of the things that I learned the hard way in hopes that maybe there are things that you can apply going into 2021. So let's jump right in. We're going to uncover 20 things I learned from 2020, the brutal beat down, love you hard, blessing of a transformational ass year that shook us all to our core, 20 things that I learned. Let's jump in. Number one, make it your mission to raise your standards, y'all. I think so many people don't give themselves enough grace, especially on the on the flip side when we exceed our own expectations, right? So if you said, I want to lose 20 pounds this year and you lose 40, you feel like maybe you didn't give yourself enough credit. Like I didn't think big enough, but there's been times throughout our life, several times throughout our life where we realize we didn't have the capacity to think big enough. Right. And that's not a reason to be hard on yourself. You have to raise your standards, make 2021 the year of raising your standards. I have done an entire episode on this, but when people say you have changed, I want you to look them dead in the eye and say, damn right, I've changed. I have to change. I want to change. I want to shift the way I think and the expectations and the standards I have for myself because there's such a difference in raising your standards. I think Tony Robbins said it best. He said something like when I saw him in person one time, he said that we will fight for whoever we identify with, right? So I'll take it back to the age old thing that we've all heard our whole lives was when we were younger and somebody was heavy set. They'd say, Oh, I was, I'm just big boned, you know? And that was their almost excuse. They would fight for it. They were somewhere along the lines. They had identified with it, that this was who they are. And that's what made it. Okay. First of all, there's not, that doesn't exist. It's not a bone structure type. There's no such thing as big boned, you know? So they identify with it. So they'll fight for it. Things that we identify with, we will fight for, we will work our ass off to fulfill that identity, right? So if you are the people pleaser, you're the kind person, you're the per- you're everyone's go-to, you will wake up out your sleep to fulfill that at any given time at all costs, right? If you are the real estate chick, you know, you will make sure every day that you bust your ass in real estate to fulfill that identity, right? But then when we try to shift into other things, they become shoulds or maybes or I want to, or if I could, or if I had the time, right? But they're not part of our identity. They're just shifts we want to make, but we don't really identify with them, you know? So one of the hardest shifts this year for me was I always felt like a fraud when I said that I was a founder and the CEO of a company because, not because I didn't, wasn't making revenue or because I didn't have staff. I'm ending 2020 with nine staff, Um, but it was because I'm so unorganized. Like it took me... 10 months of getting beat down in blessings because I had so many opportunities and so many clients that we were just unorganized. We didn't have the systems and processes in place. And this caused us to make a lot of mistakes and piss some people off. And that for me is very reflective. I take that very personally when we, when we have unsatisfied clients, we'll talk about that in another lesson later, but I took a beating, right? And so every time I would say founder and CEO, I always felt unqualified because I was, I didn't have the systems and processes in place that made me feel like a real CEO, right? But it's not that that's not my identify identity. I just don't identify with it yet because I don't feel qualified, right? So the goal is to bridge the gap, to set a higher standard. So I have already laid it out to my friends that 2021 is the year that I become the real CEO. 
It is the year that I become the real CEO that when I say it, I'm confident in it. I mean it. And it's because I work on the culture and the training and the systems and the processes and all the ugly things that I hated and avoided about my business. I am going to fix in 2021 myself. If I have to do it with my bare fucking hands and in, in the time that I'm supposed to be sleeping, I will figure it out because I will confidently identify as a real CEO. Because then when we live in these shoulds, they become shame, right? And Topsy Vanderbosch said that on one of my podcast episodes that should equal shame, right? And shame is terrible for the psyche. Shame sets us back. Shame causes addiction, depression, depression, sadness. It underqualifies us. It makes us feel um, worthless, like all of these things. And so when we keep saying should, we shame ourselves. And when we shame ourselves, we just literally go backwards. And so instead of saying should, like this is my year long example I've used to you guys is how bad I've wanted to lose weight, right? And for, I think between August and December, I think I told everyone under the sun how bad I wanted to lose weight, but I kept saying I should work out. I don't have enough time. I should work out, but it doesn't work. I've done it three times in 2020 and it didn't work. I should do this. I should do that. And one day I woke up at the end of November and I just said, the fuck, like, just do it. Just shut up and do it. Like you, the same way you treat your relationships, exhaust all options. The same way you treat your businesses, exhaust all options, like exhaust all options. You should be looking up at the end of 2020 and being like, okay, I have done everything and I'm not losing a pound. Okay. It's time to talk about some alternatives, but you, have you done everything you need to do? Not really just shut up and do it. Stop saying should stop making excuses, make a decision. Do you want this to be part of your identity? Do you want to be confident and fit again and feel good in your clothes and love the way you look? Yes. Cool. It is now a new part of your identity. It is part of your day. It is required. You make a decision. It is not a should. It is a must. It is the equivalent of someone telling me that my son needs milk. I don't say I should go get it. I just get up and go get it. It's no longer a should. So now it doesn't matter how freaking busy I am. I stop what I'm doing every single day to work out. It does not matter. I could be overloaded. And I'm like, nope, I can stop for one hour a day and go work out and come back home and get back to the grind. No ifs, ands, buts about it. It's no longer a should. It's a must. Raise your standards for yourself. Identify some things that you want to be. You want to be you. This is not a fake you. This is uncovering a new version of you. Identify these things and then bridge the gap in 2021. Set a higher standard for yourself. Set a new identity and then become her. Step into her. Number one, make it your mission to raise your freaking standard, y'all. That was number one. Number two, (laughs) This literally leans in from number one. As you create this new standard, I want you to create a new alter ego with the standard. Sasha Fierce, Beyonce's version, her alter ego, Sasha Fierce was the smartest thing she ever did. Create an alter ego and give that chick a name. Because as you step into her, like tell your closest friends, tell your family members, tell the people that like really support your vision and drive. Because it's, it's almost like, this name needs to be the name that's going to get you out of bed. This is the name that's going to, when you want to go play, but you know, you have tons of things you need to do. Like you're going to be like, okay, I need her to show up. You know, this is the name you want your friends to be like, oh, okay. Like I identified this two years ago. Her name is Jay. Her name is Jay. And so I've got close friends that will be like, I'll make some like crazy post or some crazy video. And they will message me and be like, okay, Jay, I see you. Like I see that crazy, strong, bad chick version of you showing up right now. You are bold with it right now. And that's what the world needs. So she has a name. She's everything I want to be. She's who I show up up as. And this is funny, right? We already have this alter ego. She already exists. 
She's the version of us that when someone um, makes fun of our friend, right? When we were like 19, someone made fun of our friend and we stepped in like, oh, hell no. Let me explain to you what you're not about to do, right? Our alter ego is the person we, the, the version of us we jump into when someone hurts someone around us, right? Someone we love. Our alter ego is the version of us that we jump into when somebody questions our worth, a, a man, a sibling, a you know, someone fixing our car, someone at the grocery store, we step into this person when we feel like we're being undervalued, right? We already have this alter ego, but I want you to identify and create this person and this new standard and give her a name because when she shows up, I want you to celebrate her, right? When you're moving confidently, when you show up at dinner with that dress on and you're just feeling yourself and you're walking, I want your girls to be like, oh, okay, Jay, I see you. Look at you. Look at you. There isn't an ounce of, of insecurity. You are dripping in confidence right now, right? And this isn't fake. This is not a fake version of you, but I want you to get used to her. I want you to like own her, like feel her, feel good about her, celebrate her when she's around. Like, I see you showing up again. That way you learn to bridge the gap as you become her because you are, your goal is to become more of her. And again, this is not a fake version of you. This is the best version of you. So celebrate her when she shows up. Because it's not someone you're not. It's someone you just haven't become yet. And remember, this is the unbecoming. 2020 was the unbecoming. It was the cleansing. 2021 is the becoming. It's the becoming her. We've done the unbecoming. We've done the cleansing. We've peeled back the layers. We've had to sit our asses at home, read, pray, drink water, love each other, love ourselves. We have done the unbecoming and the unlearning. It is time to become more of her give that chick a name. So number two was creating an alter ego. I'm so serious about this. Write out the five things that she is that you want to be not the shoulds, but what she is. Claim her, own her, celebrate her, become her. Boom. Number three, finding opportunities, literally like finding opportunities and literally blessings and failure. This is like one of the hardest lessons I had to have, but I'll never forget the way my coach explained it. He said, um, because I used to, yeah, it was so reflective for me when I would fail with clients, like when I was disappointed to the point of like when I would get an email and it would start with something that even remotely could sound like I was about to be told I was wrong. <laughs> like if the email said, please read this carefully or, you know, I asked last week and and your team forgot and I would be like, oh my God, I can't read this email. Or I would get a text that said, hey, this is your client so-and-so, please read your email. And I'd be like, oh my God. And immediately the story I would start telling myself would be like, you're such a fuck up. You can't do this. Who do you think you are? Look, you've pissed someone off again. Like this is becoming habitual. You can't run your team, get your shit together. Like it would, in 14 seconds, I've piled this entire story in my head. Most times reading the email and it was something so simple, but a lot of things fell through the cracks in 2020 again, because like I said, systems and processes weren't there. I hustled my way to a business model that took the fuck over. Like by September, I had more clients than I could handle in 2020, but it buried us and we made mistakes and we dropped a lot of balls. And, you know, when I was whining to my coach about it one day, he just said something that changed me forever. He said, you need to learn that this is one person and you need to start saying, thank you, God, for so-and-so bringing this mistake to my attention so that I can make the changes in my team or in my uh, structure 
to make sure this never happens again so that it doesn't happen when it's 50 people, when it's 100 people, when it's 1,000 people. God, if I intend to serve this many people, thank you for showing me a mistake through one instead of many without, you know, so that my name isn't tarnished or my brand isn't tarnished or that my business gets an opportunity to evolve and keep going. Man, the strength that takes, at least for someone like me, right? Because constructive criticism and something that I've built, whoo, feels like an ass whooping. So just doing that, like changed the game for me because as soon as someone would bring it to my attention and I would start to feel that anxiety, I'd be like, oh, thank you. You know, it even, it even allowed me to have different conversations with my clients because I would be able to reach out and be like, thank you so much for pointing that out. That's something we're going to get fixed right away. And as soon as those changes are made, we'll be the first, you'll be the first to know. And again, like blah, 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 blah. Like it even changed the conversations I've had. Failure is not like the end all be all. It's an invitation for you to see something like that you've had a blind eye about, right? Or maybe something that isn't for you, or maybe you've tried something that just doesn't work for you or whatever you're building. It is just like, you want to fail quick and then just be thankful for the clarity. Because here's the thing, you can't get clarity without failing. You just can't. Like if you want clarity and you feel like things are gray and you're unclear and then you fail, you literally have to learn to be like, thank you, because now I know that's not the thing, right? Or that doesn't work, or I have to do this better in order for it to work. Clarity doesn't come without failure. So find the opportunities and failure. Welcome the failure, fail fast, find the opportunities, thank God for them, move the hell on. Number four, and again, this is a mix of business and personal, so no equal of the two. I'm just giving you some serious things I learned. Number four, if your team sucks, it's 100% your fault. Always 100,000%. Doesn't mean that your team members don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean that they aren't bad team members, but you always have two options, right? One, the, the, the team actions and the culture is always reflective of you. So there's been so many times that I get upset when my team does something and I'm like, what don't you understand? I've explained this clearly, blah, 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 blah. And then everything that I've read in leadership is like, your team is a direct reflection of you. So if you are half-assing this, if you're not showing up, if you're not doing the meetings, if you're not showing up on time, you can expect the same thing in return from your team because you've set the standard. That's a, that's a harsh reality. I got to own that. Like most times I was like, yeah, (laughs) I'm canceling meetings. I'm not showing up on time. I'm not feeding my team the way I should. I'm not training them the way I should. I'm expecting a lot without giving a lot. So it's one of two things, right? That's one. Two, if the person just absolutely has fallen off, sucks. I've had that happen where somebody's really good in the beginning and then they just become lackadaisical, which also is usually your fault as a leader, right? Because you have you have lessened the standard or the expectation for the work, but you can let them go. You have the ability and the authority and the power to replace them. That's it. But the power, like you are always as good as your team. Like 100%, your business is as good as your team is. And if you don't constantly maintain the standard of your team, they will fall apart. And if you don't sell them the vision and where you're going and keep that clear, they have nothing to work towards. They need a why. I understand that they get paid and that's their family and blah, blah, blah. But give your team something to believe in. I always now share every quarter goals with my team. I share my vision with them of where we're going and how I plan to evolve and where I plan to place them in it. And I always give them opportunity for growth. If not, if they don't fit in that, you got to go replace them. Either way, your team is a reflection of you, 100% your fault. Number five, 
Indecisiveness is dangerous. It is dangerous, right? Indecisiveness is dangerous. Or best said by someone else, I can't remember, but the quote was, indecisiveness is the enemy of progress. So if you were trying to get somewhere and you find yourself always saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, you have some dick, (laughs) whoops, you have some deep ass digging to do. I tried to say two words at once. You have some deep ass digging to do. The more, and I'll say this again, I've said this a thousand times, the more you know who you are, the the better decisions you are able to make, the thicker the boundaries, the, the more, the less bullshit you're willing to put up with, the clearer your decisions are. If you are indecisive, you don't have vision. If you are indecisive, you don't have clarity. If you are indecisive, you don't know who you are. Trust me, top of 2020, I was, I had to make a decision because I ended 2019 crying, feeling like I hustled myself through a mess. It kind of worked. It kind of, kind of didn't. And I didn't know what I was looking at. I was like, what is this a mess that I'm calling a business? It's a mess. Right. And at the top of 2021, I said, or 2020, I said, that's it. I'm making a decision. This is either going to work or it's going to work or I pivot, but I'm going to exhaust all options that it can work. And I'm going to show up like a real CEO. And that has also evolved. Like there have been thousands of times throughout this year where I'm like, I need, again, like I said, 2021 is the year of real, the real CEO for me, but I made a decision at the top of 2020 and I was like, this has to work. And I've just made conscious decisions when with investments, like, is this going to make our team better? Is this going to make things run smoother? Is this going to help our clients? And the answer is yes. Even if it costs me a lot of money is, is hiring someone else going to alleviate other team members to do their job better than the answer is yes. Like just stop being scary and make decisions. Indecisiveness is dangerous. It is literally the enemy of progress. Number six. I, this could be an entire another episode. I think I'll probably do something else on this before the end of 2020. But one of the most valuable personal lessons I learned this year, the most valuable personal lesson I learned this year, listen to me, listen. Are you listening? Listen to me. Emptiness and triggers are an invitation to look in the mirror. Anytime you feel empty, anytime you feel triggered, They are an invitation to look in the mirror and look away from the ones you love. Look in the opposite direction. And listen, same goes for anyone that has broken you. Relationship, broken relationship, a man broke you, cheated on you, hurt you, physically abused you, any crushed you, said something that degraded your soul, your confidence, a family member, someone doesn't believe in your dream, broke you, the person that broke you cannot fix you. They could knock you off the table and break you down to your core. They cannot fix you. They cannot heal you. The person that breaks you cannot heal you. Do you hear me? You can heal you. God can heal you, but you are 100% responsible for that. No one's apologies or turn flipping the bill and trying to overcompensate for what they've done will heal you. Healing is a process that only you are responsible for. Forgiveness is a process that only you are responsible for. Emptiness and triggers are an invitation for you to look in the mirror. And I'm telling you, I cannot tell you, for women especially, how many times we look up and we've been doing, 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 right? Fulfilling all the responsibilities, the roles, the wifey duties, all the things, the job, the career, the money, the kids. And then we wake up one day and feel our, find ourselves feeling empty and wanting more. And the first thing we do is blame our partner. I can guarantee you, I 100% promise once this year, you started a fight with your spouse or partner or boyfriend or whoever 
because you felt empty inside and you told them something like this. You like all these girls' pictures on Instagram, but you never tell me I'm beautiful anymore. Do you still think I'm pretty? Do you think I'm fat now? Do you think I'm do you think I'm too skinny? Like, how come you never compliment me anymore? How come you say stuff like that, but you don't say stuff like that to me? How come you have so much fun with your friends, but you don't have fun with me anymore? It's not that these things aren't true, but you went digging and poking the bear because you felt empty. This is a a invitation for you to look in the mirror and figure out why you feel empty. But I promise you, it is never going to be your partner. Doesn't mean that you might be in the you might be in the wrong relationship. It might be time for to search for somebody else in 2021. But it is always about you because if you dig into you, you will find the answers. You will never find the answers in someone else, especially someone you love, because there is nothing else that they can do on planet earth, overcompensate, show up every day, love you, rub your feet, show affection, whatever it is that will fill your cup completely. It will not happen. They are not the answer. They don't have it. So your triggers, your short tempered moments, the moments you freak out in business, overwhelm, always feeling spastic. That's a calling for you to do some deep healing and some some deep searching to understand why and how to set yourself free and how to offload or get creative in giving those responsibilities to someone else because it's clear that they are things that are making you unhappy and we'll get into that in another lesson but number six emptiness and triggers are an invitation to look in the mirror and look away from the ones you love number seven stop obsessing over holding people accountable and that goes back to thinking that someone that broke you can heal you It's literally, that's an age old thing we learned as kids and we've done as parents. Many of us are parents. We've done that as parents is holding each other or holding our children accountable. Um, I'm not saying that doesn't work. I remember getting arrested and being held accountable and I needed that. My ass needed that. It set me straight, but it's like forgiveness. It's more painful for you when you are holding someone accountable. And let me give you a deeper example. I meet so many women that I work with that can't figure out why they're not confident in their business. They can't figure out why they have such a hard time telling their story. They can't figure out why they have such a hard time showing up. And when we dig deep, we find out that it's because they're still holding someone accountable for their lack of confidence. They're still extremely insecure because of what someone did to them. And they're waiting, like when when we really get into it, they're waiting for that person to heal that they're holding them accountable or many of us are taking actions to despite someone instead of for ourselves. So for example, like a lot of time when the question arises to why, and we do a couple exercises in some of my programs or frameworks that teach like how to define your why, because it's so much deeper than just your kids or your spouse or whatever, but your why, your real why, why are you running after this? I have met a lot of people that they're literally doing it to prove someone else wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I've told you guys, I watched an interview with Scooter Brown where he explained that he is totally motivated by people's doubt, totally motivated by people saying, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, yes, I can. But to do something in spite of someone will ruin you because then you have to go out and fulfill these things that were never created for you. They were never meant for you, but you did them in spite of someone. Stop obsessing over holding people accountable. That's God's work. That's, you are not the judge. Like if someone hurts you, you will not be able to set yourself free and carry on, be in another relationship, be a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or be a successful human and give 
these gifts to your children without letting go of the grudges that you hold against the people that have hurt you. I know that's easier said than done, but start the work in 2021. Start the work. It is a must. Number eight, truly learned this the hard way this year. If you're feeling uninspired, you feel like you have nothing to say, change your habits and read more. This is, I can't say it any more simple. Every time I open a book, I find out there's more secrets that are hidden. First of all, I know nothing. I constantly have to remind myself I know nothing because every time I open a book, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that I've like, why did I ignore this? I should have opened this a long time ago. Seek all the secrets that we need to know are in books. And when you're feeling uninspired, it means because it means you're not growing, you're not learning, right? So there's a time to create and there's a time to consume. But when I'm, I'm feeling empty and like, I don't have anything to say and I feel like I'm not kind of evolving. I know it's time to open a book and go learn. It's a season for me to shut up and sew. It's a season for me to consume and not create because I need to grow. I need to feel the feeling of expansion and growth and and stepping into my full potential. So if you're feeling uninspired, change your habits. They are so freaking critical. Change your habits, please. Like uninspired, I go straight to my daily habits. It's the small daily habits, the time you wake up, when you drink water, you know, how you, when and if you're working out, writing your gratitude, doing your give strategy, writing your gratitude in your journal, making sure that you are praying, you are really expressing and experiencing gratitude. This is key daily. Your daily habits, literally, if you're feeling uninspired, go back to the basics, read your books, grow, learn, accept a season of growth because there's a season for everything. Number nine, pay for change. Be willing to pay for change. If you're feeling stuck and you feel like you can't grow right now, you're stuck in this cyclical cycle of trying things and them not working, pay for change. When you pay, you pay attention. When you pay, you pay attention. Think about college. I don't know about y'all, but I sat my ass in the front because I was like, if I screw this up and I spend all this money and this didn't work out because I was on student loans, I'm like, I can't screw this up. I have no space to screw this up. I have to get this right. You have to put the monkey on your back. You have to put the pressure on yourself and put yourself in a corner. When you pay, you pay attention because all that free shit, there is an abundance of Google University, YouTube University, books galore. You could sit in Barnes and Noble and learn how to build a million dollar business. It's free if you truly wanted. So put the pressure on yourself, put the monkey on your back, pay so that you can pay attention. This was the first, 2020 was the first year I invested in a high performance coach. If you know anything about a high performance coach, that's a high ass ticket, right? So my monthly bill towards this to this day still makes me sick to my stomach. The days before it comes out, the days after it comes out, I am pissed. I'm talking about every month, month. I'm like, I should just quit doing this because the fuck, but First of all, every time I have a call with my coach, I am sitting down ready five minutes before with a notebook. I know my numbers. My budget is done. Everything is ready. I'm ready to consume, learn, and grow for an hour. I'm taking notes, asking questions, and I'm very, very serious about my business growth because I am paying attention because I paid this much money. And I'm, I've been paying this money for over eight months now, and my business has grown tremendously. When you pay, you pay attention. doesn't mean that you always need to pay, but you have to invest in yourself and you have to invest with the right person. Paying a high performance coach, paying for mentors, paying to be a part of groups with like-minded high level people was the best thing I did in 2020. Pay for change. It's a must. Number 10, 
one of the most fruitful things I found out this year was me speaking up more for myself. I'll never forget, but I was talking to, I want to say it was Maya Elias. We were having a conversation about how she spoke at this event. I was like, oh yeah, I saw you at this event too. And I was like, and I, I said something about like, it makes so much sense that they had both of you speaking there. And she was like, oh, I reached out to the curator and was like, if you're going to have my friend, why wouldn't you have me too? And she said, he asked me to send him my media kit. And he was like, okay, you're in. And I remember thinking like, that was ballsy as shit, but she was not wrong. She, she knows her stuff and she crushed it when she spoke on stage. And it's like, I've learned this year that you, first of all, I'm 31. You have to have enough confidence in your skill level and what you provide that you speak up in rooms that some people don't want you to speak up in. in. They're not prepared for you to speak up. They might one of the things that I learned five, 10 years ago was that a lot of people just expected me to be a pretty face. When I opened my mouth, people would always say like, wow, I, I didn't know you were so smart. Wow. I didn't know that you're like an old soul. You have so much information, you know, so much, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I can only imagine what they expect of other women. Like there's, there's just still such a stereotype and even take it a step further. And I think this is evolving a little bit, but when you're younger, you know, people don't expect you to know everything either. So I have learned in rooms to speak up, just speak up. Like either if there's 10% of the room that are so glad that you spoke up and they needed that, and maybe it doesn't matter to the rest, at least you spoke up for that 10%. I'll even tell you guys this, one of my, my strategies when I started my business, one of my most fruitful strategies, right? So in 2019, when I started my business for the first two months, it was like, I had an outline, I had a blueprint, but there was kind of crickets. I had a few people that kind of pity signed on with me. But other than that, I really didn't have anybody. And so by accident, I went to an event with a friend and they asked if anyone wanted to, they let like 15 people come go grab the mic and ask questions. And I got up and got the balls, got the courage, got up, took the mic, asked the question. The girl was like, well, what do you do? And I told her. And that night, everybody in the Facebook group was like, where's the podcast girl? Where's the podcast girl? I don't, I want to talk to the podcast girl. So I had stood up in front of 500 people and said what I did. And everybody wanted to work with me. This became my new strategy. Every event I went to, I made sure I got my ass on a mic somehow, some way and spoke up about what I did because there was always a percentage of people in the audience that were looking for what I did. They just didn't know I was there because the networking wasn't enough. If I talk to 15 people out of 500, the rest don't know that I'm there. But if I talk to 500 people, there's a good chance there's a percentage of people there. Speak up for yourself. Speak up for yourself. There's nothing. This, this can literally only benefit you. You want business? You want to run a business? You want to be a successful business owner, entrepreneur, human being? In my 30s, one of the most valuable things I have learned has been to get the courage to speak up for myself. Number 11, and this is one of my favorites, um, definitely learn this one the hard way. Um, Fuck the table. You make the table. Opportunities do not, will not, and cannot fall in your lap Just because you are talking every day on your social platforms, or you have a bomb ass website, or you have a storefront, or you have told five friends what you do does not mean that anybody owes you shit. If you are sitting there and you have created something, innovated something, curated something, and you feel like it's not getting the attention it deserves, create the table, 
Find a way for it to be seen. Reach out to people to collaborate. Come up with some bomb idea that, of something that no one has ever done to market your products or service. You know, reach out to people. Do not expect that people owe you or that they are smart enough to find you and figure out that you exist. You need to find unique ways to create opportunity. My phrase of 2020 has been creating opportunity. I have learned you can literally create whatever you want. And if you feel like you don't have it enough by doing what everyone else says, you create it in a different way. You make the fucking table. Listen to me when I say this. You create the fucking table. Don't ask for a seat. Don't pray to get invited. Don't ask, can I please sit behind you and take notes? You make the fucking table. You hear me? Best decision I ever made was I just said, I'm going to start creating these opportunities on my own. I'm going to start creating media kits. I'm going to start creating, I'm going to start reaching out to big name sponsors that sponsor big podcasts and build partnerships with them. I'm going to go attract and go find these big name people that want to create podcasts so that I can up my prices and up the caliber of the the clients that I serve. I'm going to create my own event. Fuck being asked to be a speaker. I'm going to create my own massive event and invite speakers to my event and pay for them to speak at my event. I'm going to become a speaker by hosting my own event. I'm going to make my own podcast popular in the process of making all these other people's podcasts popular. I'm going to create a podcast network. Fuck becoming part. Two years ago, I wanted someone to pick me up. I wanted to be part of a podcast network. 2021, end of 2021, your girl will have a podcast network. I promise you that. Full of self-development entrepreneurs, real estate and online marketers that are fucking crushing it in the podcasting game. I'm cussing because I'm really passionate right now. You create the fucking table. You hear me? Number 12, <laughs> in the in the game of business, and this is just one of the hardest things of 2020 for me was money mindset, money mindset, money mindset. This is so deeply rooted. Like my issues with people with wealth, wanting to be wealthy, thinking this would deteriorate my character. People would think I was doing too much. Like, I don't believe that I can make this much, blah, 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 blah. As women, we're so humble, we're too scared to believe that we can make a lot of money or that we should make a lot of money, that we should, there's just so much, it's so deep, it's so deep, y'all, I've learned so much. Um, Do the money mindset work, it is so key. But I've learned in the game of business that 100,000 is literally nothing. However, it's nothing, because like then, you know, 100,000 might be your, what generated revenue, um, but then your overhead and everything else and the cost of business. So that is not what you netted, obviously. But one thing I did learn about that was, and it's so funny because then in 2019, I'd be like, if I could just make what I, what I made at my job, if I could just make 60,000, like, you know, um, we doubled a hundred thousand this year. But when I made my first hundred thousand, I did realize this, it is a mental milestone. It's like a mental tick in you. Like once I made that, it was so weird. It was like, I thought that I would be like 90,000, 91,000, 92,000. Like it would be like this sick countdown. Like I'd be watching my money come in and I'd be like 99,000. I did it a hundred thousand. Like that is not how it happened. I literally looked up one day and was like, Oh, Whoa, we did 125,000. Like, Whoa, I was just doing my thing and hustling my ass off. And bringing in new clients and making sure we were putting the systems in place and evolving this team. And whoa, how did that happen? But it's a mental milestone because when I realized that we did that, I was like, it's kind of weird, but I was like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. 
wow, okay, well, and then I can double that. So next year I can triple that. It was this mental tick that said, you can totally do this. It changed my mindset of like how and why and what if and how can you make that much money and blah, 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 blah. And I know a lot of people are listening and they're thinking 100,000 is not a lot, but I started my business officially middle of 2019. So going into 2020, I never thought, I think I ended 2019 and I made 42,000 and I had spent 20 of it trying to build the business. So I felt disgusted with myself. I thought I was a huge failure. And so to think in 2020 that I would cross 100,000, cross six figures, and then double that, i blown away, blown away. Um, but it was this mental tick. So set this goal in your head of something that seems out of whack, that just seems so far-fetched that, like they say, set a goal that scares the shit out of you. You might be surprised because when I overcame that, now I'm like, gate, floodgates opened, wide open, let's get it. Let's get it. Like now I see, now I see the vision. It's like I, it's like Mario, I upped a level and now I'm like, oh, the grass is greener. I get it. I see what I can do up here. Um, set those high goals. Don't be scared of them. Set them, obtain them, crush them, pass them. And then don't be surprised when a new level opens up because here's what's next, right? So in the game of business, I just wanted to talk about that, that mental tick, that mental milestone was incredible this year. And it really opened my eyes to what I could do because I just mapped out a business mapped out with my coach, um, over 500,000 next year. And it's totally, this is the craziest part. It's totally applicable, like, or totally achievable. I was looking at this stuff and I'm like, I, I can do this. I can definitely do this because it's literally just doubling down on what I did that worked. So it's crazy. Set a high standard, get past it, carry on. Number 13, we talked about this a little bit, fail fast to get the wins faster. They build confidence. One thing I learn a lot about working with my clients one-on-one or in group coaching settings is they get very defeated when they have a lot of failures because now they're faced with rejection and rejection causes shame. And this leads to a lot of self-reflective behavior of like doubting and thinking you're not the one and everyone else can have this. And now you become a little bit bitter because this bitterness is like, well, why them? And why not me? Why am I not good enough? Why didn't I learn all the things? What's wrong with me? I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not capable, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then you get into all these bad habits of anger, depression, sadness, addictive behavior, um, unhappy, you know, just, just putting this on other people. And it's so, you can't expect greatness when you think that way, right? So failing, seeing it as a blessing, learning the lesson, pivot if you need to, but understand it's so important to get a couple of those wins under your belt. Even if you have to go do it for free, get a couple testimonials, but you need a couple wins under your belt because it creates this level of confidence that is incredible. And those small wins, I swear to God, are what will keep you going. Those small wins will steer you far enough away from rejection, allowing you to go, okay, okay, I I can do, I can do this. I can do this. You need those small wins to build your confidence. Those small wins, building your confidence. Like when I had (laughs) this year built confidence for me that we're like, I don't question myself anymore. I don't doubt myself anymore. I'm like, I'm going to do that. That's what I want. I'm going to go get it. I'll, I just lay out the action steps, plan out the blueprint, get a little strategic, boom, boom, boom. Just get it done. It's going to happen. But that confidence, 
I wasn't able to get to that place until I got some significant wins. Focus on the wins. Know that you can't win without failing. Fail fast. Get to the wins. Number 14. (laughs) Total shift. But water, not drinking, and prayer, freaking matter. Good habits matter. Gratitude matters. Taking walk when you feel insane and you need to regain your sanity are critical. Every time I feel off or out of whack or stuck or can't figure something out, I give myself grace for a day and then I look back at the basics at my habits. What can I change? What about my habits aren't working? How can I create good habits again? To me, I feel like anytime I feel out of whack, that's a calling to get back to my habits. Number 15. And this is something I really learned this year because all of 2020 up until this last quarter was a season of hustle, 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 hustle. And it was this last quarter, probably October on that I realized that play and rest are essential. And let me define play for you because I heard someone say this the other day and I was like, "Mm." (laughs) that gives a lot of us anxiety. Play is action without purpose. Play is action without purpose. And when you jump into a ecosystem of Americans that are taught to hustle, that hustle is a must, that you must make it, you must make it big. And I am totally, totally a part of that. We get anxiety when we think of the idea of play. I mean, early, late teens, early 20s, maybe not. But now we're trying to leave legacies and create wealth and make it for our families and, you know, get ourselves out of the current situations that we're in, which are necessary and require sacrifice. But play and rest, play without act or actions without purpose are so necessary. And some of us do this just by watching TV shows that don't mean anything or movies that don't matter. But I've learned that this allows space for presence because we can be striving and thriving to achieve something or please someone or fulfill some responsibility only to make someone happy or to feel like we need to earn our keep when we already have it and we could enjoy it now just by playing and resting and being present. I have everything I need right now. And if I keep hustling and striving and thriving through it all and missing the moments, I miss what matters most about life. And literally like that is your sanity. Your sanity lies in action without purpose. Those are the moments that you can't miss. Number 16, I had to let go of everything that I wasn't to become everything that I am. And that that meant auditing and acknowledging a lot of things that I was only giving 30% to, things that I had to be, I thought that were part of my womanly duties or wifey responsibilities or things in my business that I freaking suck at, but I thought I had to do them because you you have to be all the roles all the time. Any brand new startup entrepreneurs out there, you are literally a solopreneur, right? You are the the <laughs> HR department, you are the the CEO, the financial, the CEO, the CFO, the hiring manager, the marketing director, the content creator, you are the talent, you are all the freaking things. And so learning that one, all the things in my business that I wasn't good at, I had to be willing to sacrifice the money to hire the people that were, or it was going to cost me both money and time in my business. And it was a waste of my time and money. So I had to learn to let go of the things that I was not good at. 
And then in my personal life, I had to learn to let go of all the things that I was not good at, that I was only giving 30% to because I thought I was fulfilling some role, right? And so that meant getting creative and outsourcing a lot of things that I wasn't good at, giving them to someone else that was so that I could be more of who I am in the roles that make me happy, that I love, and that I'm good at. Because the entire goal, if you've ever read the book, Big Leap, please go read it going into 2021. The entire goal is to operate more in life in your zone of genius, not your zone of competence, not your zone of excellence, but your zone of genius and do things that equal more happiness in your life every day. So you want to go from like 20% of your day being happier to 30% of your day being happier to 50% of your day being happier. And all that means is building a life around the things that make you happy. And what I learned was, even though cooking is a responsibility for most mothers and wives of the family, I'm not good at it. And I don't love it. And it exhausts me and it gives me anxiety. And I work myself out up throughout my workday trying to figure out how I'm going to feed four people and what that looks like. Outsourcing that and sacrificing that money to someone that is very good at it. I fought that tooth and nail. If you've heard the podcast episode about that and the first week that we did it, I've never had more peace in my fucking life, y'all. The fact that I could go work out in the afternoons, which is what I love, but I never had time for because I was starting dinner. I was able to go work out, come home on my own time, take my time, stop at the store if I needed to, come home and from six to 10, hang out with my kids and experience play and presence. Like every time I think about this, all I think about is that in our living room, we have this gigantic, like, I don't even know the size of it. It's like 10 by 10 rug that is fluffy and thick and you can literally lay on it and it feels like a couch. And I think about that whole week. I was on that carpet every day with my kids playing, playing, dancing, having fun, talking, having conversations, playing games with my three-year-old. Like that's the memories I have of the first week that we had a chef incredible, incredible. Like instead of cooking dinner, then standing up and eating dinner because I'm cleaning the kitchen while everyone's at the table eating and doing that from six to 10 and then turning around and having to give my son a bath and get everybody to bed just in enough time to go to bed and get some rest before midnight to turn around and do it all over again. No fucking thanks. I bought back four hours of my time that I got to play and be present with my kids. This was critical. Plus, these are things that I am 30% good at, that I suck at. They give me anxiety. They make me feel bad. I constantly feel like I can't fulfill the role appropriately. They make me feel like that's not where my worthiness lies, that it's, it was just such a shift. Take yourself out of the things that you're only giving 30% to, please, so that you can put more time into what makes you happier. Number 17. I, I said it before, I'll say it again. My boundaries have become as thick as my thighs. And if you've ever seen my thighs, good Lord, they have to be thick, y'all. Your boundaries have to be thick. Learn the art. Please learn the art of saying no. It will save your life. I will never forget in the middle of this year, we were in our new house. So it was like a couple weeks in. So it was August. We're in our new house. I'm washing dishes at like 7 p.m. at night, this two, two sides full of dishes. I have, I'm overwhelmed with all the new clients we took on. I'm thinking about all the things we need to do. I also need to hire people. I need to review resumes. I need to call my project manager. I need to set up this meeting. Oh, I didn't respond to this email. Oh, I have to make sure dinner's ready in the next hour because Chris has a call at eight o'clock. I'm thinking about all these things and I'm like, and I just want to cry. Like I just literally am ready to burst into tears. And I'm like, why do I feel 
so overwhelmed and anxious. Like, this is not what I wanted. Why do I feel this way? Oh, I just need to get some more things done. Because remember, overwhelm comes from an action. And I'm sitting there going, why do I feel like I'm suffering from so much inaction? And I'm like, well, I just need to do more. And then it just hit me clear. It was so loud in my mind. I just heard loud and clear. You feel overwhelmed right now, not because of anyone else. If you give yourself too much thought into this, you'll think it's your husband's fault or your children's fault or your business's fault. You never should should have created this mess. It is nobody's fault. Overwhelm comes from the fact that you keep saying yes to everyone else and in turn saying no to yourself. I was saying no to myself by saying yes to everyone else. And this was causing me overwhelm. I'll tell you what boundaries do. They're ugly, they're uncomfortable, and you've been people pleasing your whole life. So when you tell someone no without an explanation and no is a complete sentence, please understand you're going to experience so much resistance. You're going to want to follow it with, no, I'm so sorry, but, but don't, but don't because you deserve to tell someone no. I literally just told someone I love very much no, that they, something they asked me to do next week that is very celebratory for them. It's very big. It's a big deal. But moving my schedule around for all the stuff I already had planned, having I would have had to change this week prior just to make that work. And it just felt so like so much. And I just said, no. And I went to explain myself and I was like, no, no, because that will cause me so much stress right now. I wasn't prepared for it. I'm allowed to say no. I'm allowed to say no. No is a whole ass sentence. Don't explain yourself. Learn to say no, set some boundaries, have some expectations. All is fair in self-love for you. But people pleasing and saying yes to everyone else is an unfair advantage and it's being unfair to yourself. Number 18, and this is one of my favorites. I feel like these last two, and I'd probably give you a bonus one. These last two are probably the most powerful things that I learned this year. And I'm actually going to pull this one right out of my favorite read this year, which was The Big Leap. And it's realizing that there is... No amount of money too expensive to invest to keep you in your zone of genius. There are things that you are just naturally good at. I have met some incredible graphic designers. Like I can't put a Canva page together for you to fill out to save my life. It'll take me four hours and then I'll just give up and it'll be ugly as hell. And then someone will tell me that it looks very unprofessional because it is not my zone of genius, right? Now I can... I can visualize with you what your podcast cover should look like and it will be genius. But as far as me putting the graphic together, forget it, null and void, can't happen, won't happen, complete trash, right? There are just things that people are gifted at. You and I both know it athletically, spiritually, mentally, intellectually, like things that you have just seen that you have been in awe of that you're like, wow, I could never. And the truth is truly, you could never. Could you practice until it becomes habitual and then you're awesome at it? Absolutely. Could you go from street iPhone photographer to incredible artistic photographer? Absolutely. But you may have also had that in you all along. But I'm telling you, when you realize and identify what your zone of genius is, your entire job for the rest of your life as a business owner, entrepreneur, or anyone side hustling to make any extra amount of money or whatever the hell you're doing, if you want a life greater than average, your entire job is to spend money or spend time making sure that you spend more and more and more of your time, just expand this concept and you spending more of your time in your zone of genius, because you will also find that you're also more happy, 
right? Because life's whole concept should be you just focusing on more happiness. How do I spend more time doing what makes me happy so that more of my day is actually happy, right? So I'm going to take this directly out of the book because this this part was eye-opening for me, right? So he talks about how for most of our lives that most people will spend most of their life in their zone of confidence. And this is what really messed me up. So he said there's a zone of incompetence, a zone of competence, a zone of excellence, and a zone of genius. Sorry. And most of us will spend a, spend our lifetimes in our zone of excellence, which we think is incredible, right? Because we feel like it's something we're so, so good at. But this is what messed me up. It says, for successful people... The zone of excellence is a seductive and even dangerous trap. To remain in this zone is to hobble yourself from taking the leap, basically holding you back from taking a leap into your zone of genius. The temptation is strong to remain in the zone of excellence. It's where your own addiction to comfort wants you to stay. It's also where your family, friends, organization, and job wants you to stay. You're reliable there. You provide a steady supply of all things that family, friends, and organizations thrive on from you. The problem is that a deep, sacred part of you will wither and die if you stay inside your zone of excellence. So basically, this is something you're good at. You get praised for at work. You are have become competent in based on practice and experience. And you will think this is your zone of excellence because it's what everyone praises you for. But indeed, you will become sad, depressed and unfulfilled because the place that you're ultimately going to thrive in and feel satisfied in is where you get to express your zone of genius. And you'll mistake this and get trapped here as your zone of genius when it's just your zone of excellence, because it's something that you have become competent at by choice that people have praised you for. And the praise will make you feel like this is your zone of genius. Whoo, baby, let me tell you something, because there is a slew of things that I have felt like those were my zone of genius. When in reality, it really took until this last year to figure out that I'm a visionary, that I help people expand their message. I help them identify, own, and unleash their message to the world in a gamut of ways, primarily through podcasting right now. But it's truly identifying and clarifying and getting that foundational message behind the mic clear. But there are so many other things that I thought were my zone of genius. And because they were things I had been praised about before. And boy, was I mistaken. Spending any time there was a waste of time. And so we'll have all these zones that we feel like we're excellent in and we'll play in all of these things at 30%, not realizing that if we were to eliminate all of these and strictly focus on one thing, one zone of genius, that is where the success lies. That is where the purpose and impact lies. And ultimately, that is where the money is. I promise you, your zone of genius is where the money is. Number 19. And this goes to say, I could go on about this for hours, but this goes to say this might be the most important line of all 20 things is that getting intimate with yourself is it, it, it is, it is one without the other. You cannot successfully undertake a journey of growth transformation. Um, it's so crazy. I feel like it's this role I've had to undertake to become who I want to become Every time I see something in the, it's like the gray gets clear, the fog disappears, the vision becomes like 
crystal clear for something that is the next level for me, right? And then it's like, I'm like, okay, I see it straight ahead, run, it's there. And then in drops in like this brick wall, like just brick after brick after brick lays right in front of me like, nope, you have to stop right here. And you cannot get to that. I know you saw it. I know it's right there. I know it's on the other side. But you cannot get to that until you deal with this thing that happened to you when you were 12 years old that is part of the story that you tell yourself, which is why you struggle to lead or which is why you struggle in your relationship or which is why you struggle in, you know, procrastinating or holding yourself accountable or victimizing yourself in these circumstances, or you can't stand in this place as an owner, or you feel like you're not enough as a CEO and you're capped at this, it's this revenue or dollar amount because of this thing that you think about wealthy people, like the list goes on. This journey, you cannot do this journey without holding a constant mirror to your face and answering to yourself on a regular ass basis. Like, listen to me when I tell you entrepreneur, like best thing I ever heard. I've said it before. Best thing I've ever heard. Entrepreneurship, business ownership is just a self-development journey. The best self-development journey you will ever go on disguised as a business venture. I don't think there's any other way that you will be convinced or forced to deep dive into yourself than you will like a journey like this one. Impossible. And then here's the, let me give you the latter portion. So I actually knew that two years ago, but this year, this year I dove head first and I think next year will be more spiritual, but I think this year I did a lot of things that were out of the ordinary for me. And you, you guys know I'm I'm about as mid-level as they come. There's some deep people. I'm about in the middle there as far as like what I'm willing to explore, you know, breath work, sound bowls, um, meditation, yoga, like hypnotism. I did all of those things this year. And with each one, I peeled back another layer of myself and saw things that I wasn't even aware of. Hypnotism was one of the deepest things, deepest, deeply rooted things I did this year that really, really uncovered some crap. And in that... I have discovered so much about myself that literally was like plugging in the pieces and of the puzzle to make it all make sense as to why I act a certain way and why I hold certain people responsible. And, you know, if there's grudges or things I needed to take responsibility for, thought stuff I thought I was a victim about that I had just told myself a story. I promise you. When they say everything you have that you need is within you, they are not lying. (laughs) On the flip side of that, everything that's holding you back and keeping you from getting to the next phase is also within you. It's not a person. It's not that you're a victim. It's not circumstance. It's not a dollar amount. Everything that is holding you back is all also within you. So you have to begin practicing simultaneously as you're building how to freaking release this stuff. You have to. So as you soon as you say yes to whatever the next thing is in 2021, whatever the big thing is that you've been desiring, as soon as you say yes, on the other side of that paper, you better write down that you're also saying yes to the greatest self-development journey ever and that you will never stop getting intimate with yourself. Because the more you know about yourself, the more you know about who you are, the more you know about who you are, the less bullshit you're going to put up with, the less bullshit you're going to put up with, more boundaries, more worthiness, more self, self-defined self you can be, clearer you will get about your vision and your purpose and your divine assignment.
and number 20. Number 20. Um, if you're a longtime listener of the Strain of Phase podcast, you've heard me talk about this at great, great length, but I'm just going to drop a few gems around this because it is critical. Be mindful of who you surround yourself with. Your friends have a lot to do with your journey right now. I think I can say this plainly and then we can dig a little bit deep. Will Smith has said it, billionaires, millionaires have said it, but, um, you are the sum of who you hang around. You are the sum of who you talk to. And as another millionaire said it recently, very frankly, like, if you're wondering why you're not successful, look at the bums you hang around, right? And this is not direct to anyone. This was not my scenario. But I would say I've worked with people that they definitely need to take a great audit of who you surround yourself with. Because this doesn't necessarily mean you're surrounded by bums or old friends. But you might be around people that don't expect this from you, that will hold you in a box, that will hold you down when you try to lift yourself up. Or you might be around people that you bonded off of by disliking the same thing or somebody that complains too much and isn't prepared or can't handle your positive energy once you step into this role. Because if you've learned anything about wanting more, about being above average, about stepping into a greater version of you, it requires a level of not only discipline, but self-motivation, self-preservation and positivity. You may have have you may have friends from the past that you guys bonded off of equal complaints and they may not be prepared or be able to deal with this positive, enlightened, high vibrating version of you. And then what will you do? You know what you'll do. One of two things. The smart thing is to obviously distance yourself, put yourself in places where you can continue to vibrate higher, defend that and f- defend that energy because it's so important to defend that energy. But for many of us who aren't prepared for that, and these are people that we've called friends our whole life, we will just dim ourselves. We'll just dim ourselves and dim our light. And that is freaking dangerous because that's putting out into the universe that you're not ready. It's putting out into the universe that you don't want this and that you'd rather not hurt someone's feelings and make them reflect and look in the mirror than actually be successful and grow and, and step into the version that you were created to be of you. That's what you're telling the universe. So I know this is hard. I know it's painful. And every time I say it, I feel bad because I know it's ugly, but you really, truly need to audit your friends and make a decision. I want more at all costs. I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm finally getting to take everybody up with me. If you are in the way of that, I'm getting to help my parents now, my mother now, you know, set stuff up for my son and my stepdaughter. Like if you are in the way of that now, you got to go. I am too grown. Like I am too in an adult phase of my life. I am 31. We own a lot of stuff like, and, and are responsible for a lot of people. I have eight people, nine people on my team. Now my husband has like 14 people on his team. We have children, homes, cars, like rental properties. The hell do I look like dimming my light for you? Dimming my light for you dims my pockets, fucks with my confidence, messes with my family, messes with my legacy, messes with what what I'm able to, screw what I'm able to do for myself, but for my staff, for the culture, for leadership, for anything that I have been able to put my hands on and transition, me dimming my light for you to make you feel better messes with all of that. Could you imagine that the universe may have before tapped you on the shoulder and told you your purpose and you almost stepped into it, but then dimmed your light because you were afraid you might hurt your friend's feelings. The fuck? 
you guys might be getting a different version of me, but I can't think of, uh, about, a, about a better way to end this podcast because there's so many things I could tell you about who you surround yourself with. I feel like this is a sea of of different types of people. And I think everyone tries to classify them in one group, right? I think we all think we try to do something better for ourselves and all of, our, all of a sudden all of our friends become haters. And I don't think that's the case. I think we have to give them some grace. We have to give them some breathing room. We have to kind of identify with a, a fine tooth comb what all of them are. I think, you know, some of them just can't support what they under don't understand. They're just kind of confused. Like, what are, what is this new thing you're obsessed with now? Is this just another thing? Like, I don't really know how to jump on board with this. I kind of feel like you kind of make me feel like an idiot when you talk about how successful you are. So uh, it's kind of hard for me to join the conversation. That's one type of person. Then you have someone that you may be requiring your success may be requiring them to look in the mirror and it may be making them extremely uncomfortable. And the only thing safe that they know to do is to pull you back down because then in that moment, they can make themselves feel better. You might have a few like that. You might have some that just turn into straight haters on you. They can't accept it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't believe it. They want to keep you in that box. And you might have some people that think this is just temporary and this is just another idea and this is just another phase that you're in and you go through stuff like this all the time and, you know, prove it. You got a lot of friends that just want you to prove it. Like, okay, I've heard you say stuff like this before. You have another great idea. Let me see it. Just, just prove it, right? Prove to me, right? Here's the bottom line of what you have to remember. People are going to call you crazy until you're successful and then they will be asking you how. Just remember while you're in the process, if if God has dropped, the universe has dropped something in your mind, something for you to create, something that exists that was created only for you as part of your assignment, your alignment, as you are in process, until this thing works, takes off, makes an impact, makes a big deal, makes a splash in the ocean, everyone is going to, almost everyone, especially those close to you, people that have you in a box that have only seen you one way for 30 something years, they are going to call you crazy until it works. And when it works, they will all change their narrative. Trust me. And that's where the grace came in. I cannot tell you how many people on this journey and especially like it was especially 2017, 2018 when I was doing the podcast, had my newborn, was doing the TED talk, working my full-time job. And I had friends all the time, like it's so great what you're doing. I see all these people online giving you feedback, but I don't understand how you're going to make money, you know, and then they would pour their doubt into me, their concerns, their thoughts their fears, their wonders, right? Which rightfully so, people can't can't put into form, have the excitement or visualize what you are able to visualize. All they know is how to be realistic. Realistic is dangerous. Realistic is for average. Dismiss realistic immediately. Anybody around you being realistic, goodbye. That is dangerous for what you are trying to do. But for them to pour that on you, 2017, 2018 was the year of that. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I wasn't damned by that often. I would go home and be like, wow, I didn't have an answer to that question. So maybe they're right. Don't worry about the how. Have faith in what your vision is. Have faith that God wouldn't put something in your heart that wasn't already created for you. And if it wasn't hard, everybody would do it. It was meant for you to do. It was meant for you to see out. It was meant for you to push through Create it in your way that you see fit to have that level of impact. But please understand who you surround yourself with. Them, they might have to go on mute. The chat might have to go on mute. They might have to be put on hold. 
I have a very specific friend that at one point I had to tell her, I am in a season of sacrifice. I love you so much, but please just bear with me. I need some time because she was in a season of like celebration, traveling, wanted to do all these things, go all these places. And every time I told her, no, she was just like, what the hell is happening with our friendship? Like what's going on? I'm like, please just bear with me. Just trust me. Like I need to really focus on this. And we've circled back this year and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) Hey, I, I can focus on play now. I can play rest, reset and do all the things. And it's whether or not up to your friends, whether they want to be open to that, whether they're considerate of that, whether they understand your level of sacrifice and can still be there on the other side. But please know this journey is not for the weak. And so if you're willing to make that commitment, you better know that you might be alone. Everybody, that, that, that doesn't make it for everyone around you to make that commitment. They have, may have been here the whole time. They may have been here when things were hard, when you were, went through a breakup. You've gone through shit with them together and it feels like they've always been on your side. But this might not be something that they can commit with you on. They might not have the capacity for this. And you got to give them some grace around that. You have to give them some grace. And I'm going to leave you guys with this bonus. I know we had 20 things, but this leads me perfectly to what I feel like the last thing I can't leave you without. There's over three, what is it like in the U.S., what, almost a billion, 300 million I can't remember the number. So U.S. population as of 2019, 328.2 million, right? I think the last number I saw that was there was like 28 million entrepreneurs. So um, less than a quarter of the U.S. population is entrepreneurs and business owners. So, and of course, we don't know how accurate that is. That's based on a census. But so if less than 25% of the population understands this, That means very few people around you are meant to understand you. So I need you to accept something. You are now the weirdo. Here's your bonus. (laughs) Have you ever walked into a room? Like if, if you're listening to this and you have kind of fully stepped into this, like you're a business owner, entrepreneur, now marketing online, more focused on how to market your business online on social platforms. That's really all you talk about, all you study and all you want to talk about with friends because you're trying to make this thing make you a significant amount of money so that you can quit your job um, or you've already quit your job and you're trying to bring this thing to scale and this is all you're focused on. And then you walk into a room of a place that you haven't, maybe something you haven't gone to or done in a while that is so off topic from what you're used to, right? So for example, for me, most of what I surround my my life with now are all people like me, right? Everyone I talk to on the phone, all of my friends, like I would say 85 to 90% of the people I surround myself with day in and day out understand my life fully, my business fully, like everything, because it is, I've kind of cleansed that, that season of my life. Almost everyone I surround myself with is an internet marketer, a podcaster, a speaker, an author, um, you know, someone like-minded on my level, entrepreneur, business owner, digital marketer, whatever. Right. Um, but shit gets really weird when I step into a room where this is like non-existent. Right. So when I go home and I visit my mentor at her job and there's five or 10 people there and they all, you know, work for the county government and, they may be social media users, but they're consumers. They don't understand. They don't, they can't conceptualize what I do as a business when I, when they're like, Oh, what have you been up to? And I'm like, Oh, you know, I run a podcast management agency. I can't take it much further than that. Right. It's like walking into, it's like just, I just imagine like walking into homecoming 
and you're 20 something years old or 30 years old and you feel like this old ass weirdo, right? I have had to accept that it's not that everyone around me is weird. Like we are now the weirdos. We're the weirdos that are obsessed with the internet, obsessed with our messaging, obsessed with our content that we like, it's us. We are the weirdos. Now, granted, weirdos change the world. They're the dreamers. They're the ones that think that they can do anything. They think that one idea can change the world. One concept, one level of messaging, one one interesting piece of, you know, way or art of marketing, one app, one tool for convenience can change the world. We're the believers. We're also the crazies. We're also the weirdos. We're also the people that walk into the room where you can almost expect that if you're not in a place that doesn't, isn't a place of work or a place that you, where you can commune with people that study what you study, that if you say anything about what you love or do, or even try to articulate in two sentences what you do, people kind of give you that weird look like, okay, sounds like something that doesn't exist. <laughs> but but to put two and two together, that only makes sense. Because when you have this idea in, in the birth of it, right, in the entry, in the beginning, you're talking to people about it and they're the exact same way. They think you're a weirdo. You don't know what you're talking about. This probably won't make you money. You're crazy. Then it comes to life. You bring it to life. You, you know, create, sell products, do whatever you do, make it make sense, make it be successful. And then when you try to celebrate your success around people that aren't in this life, they will not understand. And you will continue to be the weirdo, the oddball out. And so I've just learned to own that my weirdness is what makes me so awesome. I, but I am also the weird one in a room full of people that most likely won't understand what I love and what I do. And that's okay. That's who I am now. It's me. And it's you. Own it. Love it. Embrace it. We are now members of the generation that believe strongly about vibrating higher, elevating your message, sharing your story, being your own testimony, and using it as our purpose to save lives, set others free, and empower people to truly peel back the layers, destroy the negative mindset, destroy the blocks, and absolutely step into their divine assignment, their purpose, and the best version of themselves. We're just crazy as hell enough to believe it to be possible. So amidst all the craziest, the chaos that 2020 has been, I have learned some insanely valuable lessons, and I hope some of these were valuable to you, and you can take them into 2021. And I love you guys forever for rocking with me. Some of you new to the Stranded Face podcast and some of you that have been here for almost three years with your girl, I intend to do this as long as I got something to talk about. I freaking love you guys. Thanks for rocking with me. Let's let's take 2021. Let's, let's put 2021 in the books, y'all. Let's do this. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.